The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, let's talk a little Dallas Mavericks now with second-year beat writer for the Mavericks. Is, is that correct, Tim? I've, I've been around the team forever, but as a oh, proper yeah, yeah, beat I realize writer. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two two years like, with the Athletic now. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, so actually actually last year was your first year actually traveling. That was that was the concept that I was trying to uh to illuminate there. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a little bit different being on being with the team, you know, just just, you know, on the road. Being being with the, any team on the road, I think is just such a different uh f- factor. You just you just get to see them in a different way. Yeah, because I mean, for me, I almost never go with the Warriors on the road, but nearly every time I do, it's like totally different. Number one, just everyone around the organization just sees you differently, right? It's like, oh, now you're like kind of, I mean, you're not part of the team, but you're one of maybe three or four people who's traveling to media sessions. Road practices are just so much more informal generally. Like, I don't know how they do it in Dallas. Like for us, we, for the home practices, we just all get sequestered over into an area that we can't leave and they bring people over where the road practices, they don't do that. You can just go talk to anyone who is kind of hanging around and will talk to you. That's how it is for us. Is that how they do it too? Yeah, it's the exact same for Dallas where, you know, you don't have the ability to grab someone just walking off the court uh, at, a, at the practice facility because they're going the opposite direction. They don't even walk by the media, whereas on the road, you know, all rules are off. So it, it is a lot more uh, free reign to the players. And I think when you're on the road, they're just like, hey, you're in this with us. You're not on the team. You're not necessarily on our side or, you know, whatever, you know, clearly we're not on opposite sides either but the fact that you're with them in this thing in this travel you know and and into you know if it's if it's three games and five nights you know you're in those same cities i think that does you know say something to those people and and and, you know does make them view you just a little bit differently yeah and also nba players coaches personnel have much more time when they're on the road i find than when they're at home if they've got families they've got sponsorship commitments on the road you know they're kind of if you want to ask someone to like go out to lunch or something like they're probably actually be like happy for the company a lot of the times whereas if you're at home it's like good luck like getting anyone to do anything with you because obviously hanging out with media people is not their priority yeah that's that's definitely a hundred percent reason why why you got to get out there on the road for sure all right well let's uh tap into this incredible knowledge that you have gleaned uh, over the past year <laughs> uh, as a as a mavs beat writer and start with this you know, a, a lot of these teams you like to talk about how good they were last year does that really have any applicability to this team with all the changes they've made 
It it doesn't really no. I mean, clearly this is this is a different team with some key parts, but you know, I think more than anything, the reason last year's results don't really matter is because, you know, half the season was played with a entirely different roster. There is some similarities when you go when you look at the March roster and the April roster, clearly it's lacking a lot of talent and the team was, you know, uh, you know, inadvertently tanking uh more or less uh during those months. Some of the players are the same, but you know, I, I think the team was was 500 about 40 games in I believe they were 20 and 20 but that just it doesn't have you know it does not matter at all because that was a starting lineup uh that it, that involved Wesley Matthews and DeAndre Jordan and Harrison Barnes and Dennis Smith Jr. and so when you trade away four-fifths of your starting lineup you know in late January it definitely invalidates you know everything that came before it in terms of predicting the future yeah it seems that way I mean and then after that they did have, sign a number of guys, but they also re-signed a number of guys. Do you think we can take anything from their performance after those trades? I mean, I know obviously Porzingis is going to play this year, which he didn't before. But I mean, are there any, maybe a better way to ask it is, are there any individual player performances after the trade that stick out to you as particularly noteworthy as we go into this season? Yeah, I think with each player who plans to have a big role on the team, who projects to have a big role, you can look at what they did and, you know, at least project it out into this season a little bit. I, I do think that because the team was so bad, because there was so little talent around them altogether, that you can't really say, you know, Luka Doncic, his efficiency, you know, number plummeted but how much of that was just the bad team around him maxi kleba you know was exposed a little bit more and he's you know just i think one of the best role players in the league but he is a role player and he may have been being asked to do too much uh people like dwight powell uh, who had a bonkers final six weeks was just really, really good, uh, as he often tends to be, you know, finally hitting three pointers, taking people off the dribble. How much of that was just a bad team playing bad games where, you know, it's just not realistic that what he did last season can be carried over. So I, I think everything that those players did down the stretch of the season is interesting. You know, I have questions and, and thoughts about whether it's going to continue or not, but I do think that with this season, you do have to, in some ways, start fresh take everything you know uh start over with everything and see how people play now that you know the team has you know a very you know very much back to a a winning mindset uh and and is being coached as such and uh you know actually just has more cohesive talent around them for the first time in a while yeah it's interesting last year also just kind of noteworthy that they once again were way lower than their number of expected wins a year ago dallas was 3.9 wins worse than expected per cleaning the glass uh 133 uh, lost 49 but had the point differential of a 37 win team uh, in non-garbage time uh, do you make anything of that that they've consistently underperformed their point differential after it, it must be noted during like the dirk jason terry years uh were really overperforming their point differential it seemed like uh, every year do you make anything of that or do you think that's just uh totally random noise well, even to go back, like you said, they used to overperform. And that's always something I attributed both to Dirk, who just had a, you know, on offense, he just had a, uh, you know, just because of the way he played, because of his range and all these things, he just made players better, even if it didn't show up statistically. But I also attribute it to Rick Carlisle. And I do think that he is a coach who takes a group of players and gets, you know, more than the sum of the parts. And 
if he's not trying to do that, as I don't believe he has been the past few seasons, uh, you know, I do think the team will suffer. So uh, some of it is probably noise, I-, I think, to some extent. But I also think that that to some degree, Carlisle has not done his best job coaching this team, probably on purpose in the second half of, you know, the past few seasons, because they haven't realistic, <laughs> you know, why why would he? They've been a, you know, they've been a tanking playoff team. So considering that, I, I do expect that, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to say the least if, if they're a couple wins better than expected this season because i don't think that even in the worst case scenario they're they're going to be massively you know headed towards a bottom five seed or bottom five record in the league i should say yeah that's uh and obviously they had the protected pick last year which they weren't able to keep but that's uh uh i don't know maybe, maybe not for lack of trying it you mentioned luca's efficiency went down last year and taking his season as a whole what was he last year i mean obviously he got a ton of hype early on you know up until the time of the trades when they had you know a a positive point differential for a lot of the season uh even though they were 500 you know he looked awesome you mentioned that he really kind of dropped off after that uh but taking stock of his season as a whole what are you able to take away from that as we try to project what he's going to do this year because that's obviously uh he and porzingis are kind of the two biggest variables for the squad right it really was two seasons for him you know before the trades and after the trades and i think that's you know to be expected uh in a situation like that after uh, we'll start after the trade because i do think that's the more relevant you know i think before the trades he uh he, he kind of built into himself he had to you know convince carlisle convince you know kind of wrest the offense away from him in, in the sense that carlisle would trust him uh and i think he proved a lot you know just at the level of player he is uh after the trades is much more interesting to me because you know that's when he just put up incredible raw numbers i believe he was the uh the, the player with the most touches uh per game after the all-star break so he was given the ball almost every single time every single possession when he was on the floor uh just just uh incredible raw numbers Le- truly lebron like raw numbers in the sense that he was averaging you know about 24 or 25 points eight rebounds seven assists uh you know after the all-star break his percentages were nowhere near there uh his defense of course uh is is continually an issue although not as big of an issue i think as as some people make it out to be because he is still tall he's tall he has instincts his awareness isn't bad off the ball right 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 it's just you know he has limitations there clearly um so yeah no i mean i think that clearly he is this you know the the building block he is the the player that that they they put all their chips into the table on him you know when you know during the 2018 draft to trade up and get him and i think he has proved to be that player he has proved to be someone who could be a top 10 player in the league and uh you know f- quite frankly is not that far off you know probably top 30 top 25 right now but with the potential to to move up 5 to 10 spots you know even even this coming season so he is uh you know i, I think i think that we saw that uh you know just the fact that he could do that on a bad team put up those numbers uh with the ball in his hand all the time is is promising and i i don't look as much as the efficiency uh it, that doesn't matter as much to me because of the context around him the fact that he was just able to do that much on that team i think is what speaks the most to how talented that player is yeah and it will be really interesting to see whether he can take the next step forward in efficiency mm-hmm. and you can add to this but a few things 
that stick out to me as obvious areas for improvement the conditioning all indications are you agree with this that he uh looks much better in terms of his shape coming into the season yeah he definitely looks better um yeah i mean was there anything in particular that he did uh as far as you know to change up and make those changes change up and make those changes god that is that is is just maybe the worst diction that's ever occurred on on this show but uh forgive my terrible question and please answer it (laughs) he he definitely just had a summer where he fully paid attention to his to his health to his conditioning he hasn't had that in at least two summers i believe with the way that he was playing Eurobasket and you know playing into the summer with real madrid uh it's it's just it was a different it was a different type of summer for him he hasn't had a summer a full summer off where he could just relax but also yeah. focus on his body and you know not yeah. focus as much on skills or playing games or this or that uh it was a much much less packed summer for him and i think that is you know the biggest reason and why he's able to come into the season in much better shape uh and i you know also the mavericks sent him off with a very clear plan and expectations and i also think that helped you know whereas last season he you know wasn't officially a maverick until late june and was specifically because he had been playing so many games specifically given a a decree to go take some time off go relax we want you it's going to be a long nba season we need you fresh for it so i I just yeah it's a different context around because he, he wasn't playing any ball over the summer and I think that's going to help them greatly. Yeah, the Mavs fans can thank FIBA for their stupid qualifying process that Slovenia wasn't in the World Cup <laughs> as well. The uh, the the defending Eurobasket champions uh, couldn't make it because uh, you know Luka Doncic couldn't play it in their qualifying games. Um, yeah, th- uh, on his stat line, a little bit below league average true shooting. League average is fifty six percent. He was at fifty four point five percent, as you mentioned, and that despite really getting to the line a lot, that was one of the things that as he was a prospect we looked at is is this foul drawing in europe going to translate right and i went through saw there are a lot of kind of euro fouls that teams were committing on him i was interested to see how that was going to to translate but had i mean for a rookie awesome free throw rate 41 percent uh free throw to field goal ratio and you know i mean your your average guy's gonna be about 20 percent there so that's really good for an on-ball guy i mean that's right up there among the best perimeter creators in the nba but he doesn't really make his free throws he was like what was he 69 percent last year that was and he was a little lower even in europe too i don't think he was at 80 percent for a guy with the this type of shots that he takes at least uh and the ability he has to get hot from outside that's the number one thing that you're just would think all right this is going to improve right it has to improve carlisle said uh, you know at some point during training camp oh he will be better we are confident he will be better uh he worked on you know he specifically worked on this all summer to be better and then on wednesday in their in the first preseason game he comes out and shoots five of ten from the line so there is still some concern for me about that it it is weird uh that you he he looks like a player he seems like a player you know he makes such difficult three-pointers that you would think that you know a a 15 point set shot would be no problem or 15 foot set shot would be no problem but he has clearly struggled with that that is clearly an emphasis if he had made 80 percent, he probably would have been you know just about you know a little bit under still but closer to that 56 true shooting mark the league average like you said you know he would have been a lot closer to it uh that than than he was so that that is i think still a concern for him and it does because we know there is a correlation between free throws and three-pointers um it, it's not always this way but i i do have some concern about him ever becoming a 
38%, 40% three-point shooter if he can't get his free throws in line. Uh, so I think, you know, start start with the easier one and, and then worry about really bringing that three-point percentage up. Um, uh, but, but I guess the other argument is just that his conditioning wore down over the season. He had similar percentages drop during uh, his seasons at Real Madrid. Uh, the Mavericks have, have tracked that and, and are aware of that. So if you consider all that and, and you think about how much better shape he is in, uh, the hope is that he will just be able to sustain his early season, his higher early per- season percentages uh, as, as, the, as the season goes along. Yeah, and just to, to be clear, 71.3% from the foul line last year and a little bit under 33% from downtown. Did he get, get up 514 attempts, many of them of the difficult off the dribble step back variety might have the second best step back in basketball behind James Harden certainly the concerns that he wasn't going to be able to create and get shots off well 30% usage yeah as you mentioned on a bad team he really you know had a ton of time of possession and a ton of touches and it was uh the sun and the moon and stars as Danny would say uh but that really to me assuaged a lot of the concerns that were had about him and now you mentioned the upside for him as as being a top 10 player was that pointed to say top 10 rather than top five is that kind of where you see his ceiling emerging or do you think he could someday be in the conversation for best player in the nba it's a good question he obviously doesn't have the raw athleticism that your typical best player in the NBA would have. He is, I, I do think that James Harden is his best, uh, compliment, uh, as a, as a player, uh, ath- especially athletically. Uh, but he doesn't have James Harden say his, his quick twitch first step. He now he is taller. There are other things to point, you know, in his favor versus someone like James Harden. Uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah. You wouldn't. I mean, the biggest difference might be that James, uh, has more length and is just a way better shooter really throughout his career as just free throw line three point line there's just percentages have just been better right exactly and that's that's why i kind of hesitate to think that luca could become a you know truly a top five player but i i think i surely i think it's in his in his room i don't think he's ever going to be the best player in the nba he he may end up being something more like the face of the league because i think he's likable and interesting and and creates highlights and in ways that people really enjoy them uh i i i hesitate to think that he could ever be you know what Giannis Antetokounmpo or LeBron James is just that's such a high bar to clear I mean it's not even obviously it's not any slight to Luka to say that you know he's never going to be a you know top 50 all-time NBA player ever and I think if you're the best player in the league for multiple seasons you almost have to be you know that level of player so I, I, I do think his ceiling stops closer to top 10 than top 5 but absolutely I think that top 10 is within his reach and probably sooner than later with the way his development and the way that he already plays, you know, much older than his age, uh, you know, I do think that that is probably not that far away should his development continue like it has. Yeah, and I think the last thing you can look at too, which I expect to really improve, both because he's not a rookie anymore and because they have more weapons than they did before, uh, is his turnover rate, 15%. That's pretty high for one of the main on-ball guys. And certainly, you know, he likes to throw some difficult passes and make difficult plays. I don't think he's ever going to be a crazy low turnover guy, but I think obviously that's going to come down. That's one of the biggest things that generally improves for rookies. Say a quick break here to tell you about my favorite toothbrush, my favorite electric toothbrush, Quip. 
if you really want to know what's making a better toothbrush it's probably not industrial strength power or multiple modes if you ask your dentist they're going to tell you it's less about the brush and more about how you use it which is why you need quip it's got sensitive vibrations not going to bother your gums they have a built-in timer and that will help you to brush for the dentist recommended two minutes they've got a pulse every 30 seconds reminding you to move to a different quadrant of your mouth and they can automatically deliver brushes to you every three months for clean new bristles right on schedule because that's another way that you can kind of go awry if you let your bristles wear out you kind of don't realize how long it's been but getting their subscription that sends you new ones every three months is a great way to avoid that I love Quip because it's basically the size of a normal toothbrush. You only have to replace the battery once every three months, this little AAA battery, and they send you that as part of your subscription as well. Super easy to travel with, unlike a lot of other electric toothbrushes, and unlike a lot of other electric toothbrushes, it starts at just $25, and you get your first refill free at getquip.com slash capspace, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P, getquip.com slash capspace to get you your first refill free. And don't forget that slash cat space URL to let them know that you came from us. All right, let's talk Porzingis here. I, that's, uh, I watched the game in Detroit. We've had one preseason game under our belts. I, I assume uh, that you either were there or, or watched it. What's the buzz on how he's looking? And what's your opinion on how he's looked so far from what limited information we have to this point? Right. It's only one game. They also had an open scrimmage. I have been watching Porzingis after practices, of course, for as long as he's been traded here. I wasn't surprised that he looked good, and I think that he looks great athletically. I think that whenever you take 18 months off from basketball, uh, from professional games, I think that can only help him. And I think Porzingis is the type of player who needed this, that he had obviously had uh, leg, leg issues, leg injuries before the, the big ACL tear. And just being able to, as a 7-3 player who had grown into his body, who was more muscular than ever before, uh, giving him time to not just, you know, bulk up uh, muscularly and weight-wise, but also work on his core, you know, work on a lot of things that are injury preventative. I think that's such a huge thing, and it's something he's talked about a lot, how important it was that he had all this time to, you know, not just get healthy, not just get back where he was, but to do the things that will prevent this in the future. So with so much time off, I, I think athletically he looks great. And uh shot, you know, shot-wise, performance-wise, uh just in that one game, I thought that he looked fine. You know, he clearly it was the, the Mavericks ran many Luca Chris Epps pick and rolls. He had some pick and pop looks. Uh, he only shot seven of 18, but it's one game. You know, it's not something to be concerned about in, in my eyes. Uh, you know, I guess the biggest question is, is, you know, how good of a shooter is he really, is he really? I think, you know, his three point percentages rose from 32 to 35 to 39% in his three seasons at New York. Is he that 39% three point shooter? Uh, is he going to take, you know, closer to seven or eight a game now that he's in Dallas? Uh, what, what percentage will he hit on those? Um, I, I think those are probably the most relevant questions but you know there's no reason to believe that he will be you know any lower than like 35 percent and and you know i think especially with this dallas offense around him really you know accentuating all the things he does well you know there's there's nothing but good things to expect out of him yeah for me i uh, and again this is his first game back from injury so let's not le- uh read too much into this i was a little lower uh, on what he was able to do from a movement standpoint i thought you know defensively 
being a game-changing defender is probably the underrated aspect of his game as one of the league's best rim protector as i didn't think that he particularly had an impact in that area in that game i thought he looked a little so he never has been the quickest laterally but i didn't really see any of like those wow athletic plays like i mean if you just think of for example the play that he got injured on where he came down the lane big one foot dunk uh and obviously it ended up tearing his acl which which was bad but you know he used to make those wild athletic plays there's one alley-oop he had where he, he got an and one although he didn't get up quite as high as i recall him, him being at his best uh, in new york i thought his drives which have never been incredibly fast uh looked a little bit slow to me but it was really mostly I mean, I think offensively, he's going to be totally fine, um, even if he's not quite as athletic because he's just, he can shoot it. He's got the really quick high release. The guy's 7'3". He can bomb it from well behind the three-point line. He hit a couple of those. I mean, just that transition drag pick and pop is just incredibly difficult to guard as Dallas fans know they saw it with Dirk Nowitzki low those many years but I thought defensively I was not impressed with uh his level of movement I did think he was playing and I didn't he was playing like that hard I was hoping that he would come back and you know obviously it's preseason he's getting his feet wet but I I was hoping we would just see kind of more athletic hustle type of plays that wasn't there yet again I'm not saying it's not going to come back but evaluating him on that one game he wasn't quite the guy that I remember no I think I think you're right about that I I, fo- I was focusing on a, on a, in on the offense when I said that he was you know what I expected I agree that defensively he wasn't a you know he wasn't making splash plays I can't remember if he had a block I don't think he even it blocked a shot I also don't think that he yeah, was, no, he didn't yeah I don't think that it was his best effort that he can give out on that end um that said I do think that's probably the most uh underappreciated and most interesting part of his game for going forwards because if he can be that uh you know just just impactful defender uh you know I I think that's one of the things that's going to be most interesting to Dallas that you know they if if Porzingis can be as good as he was his his you know the 44 games he played with the Knicks or whatever it was the last season uh you know I think that completely changes the outlook of the team um and it makes it so that in, in games that they you know they have defenders around them they have Daylon Wright they have Maxi Kleba um you know they have Dorian Finney-Smith Justin Jackson's a solid defender I think they have the potential of a top 10 defense when Porzingis plays if he is as good as he was in New York uh and that's you know two pretty big ifs uh, you know, he will take some games off with load management. So, you know, their ceiling goes, goes down a lot, you know, when, when he's obviously, uh, sitting out games. Um, but, but if he can get back there, you know, that, that does really change what this team can focus around and what can be their strength. And if he can't get back there, you know, obviously it, it, it just completely changes the perspective of, you know, how this team has to, uh, how, has to look to build, uh, their rosters moving forwards. Because, you know, if, if he's not the defender he is, I, I don't know if he's, you know, maybe like, let's say the, the second best player on a finals team like if if luca and kp get to their peaks i think that can be the two best players on a finals team on a championship team uh but but they both have to get back there and if chris steps isn't that defender anymore uh that does really change the outlook on how this team uh is is proceeding into the future yeah i agree that's what i'll be watching more closely perhaps uh than his offense a couple other things that were interesting for him back in new york in that last year in new york he was uh again in kind of a similar role to what Luca had after the trades last year where he was getting the ball all the time you mentioned the 40 percent three-point shooting solid mid-range shooting as well though he did take over 50 percent of his shots 
between the rim and three-point line and he only took 15 percent of his shots at the rim and did not shoot a great percentage at the rim either that's a, a non-dunks he at least uh, heretofore in his career maybe he's stronger now but he kind of get bumped off of his shot he'd struggle to finish sometimes if he got the ball under the rim you know he w- doesn't have the type of post game or at least didn't in new york where he's able to overpower guys a lot of those mismatches off of a switch or something which lead to a mid-ranger which he's very effective at uh, but and dallas has found guy ways to use guys like dirk and harrison barnes uh in that mid post area so that they certainly can maximize that aspect of his talent but yeah I, I mean i always felt he's kind of more of a second banana offensively and he, this is a perfect situation for him in that regard so i, I mean there's I have been lower on him than a lot of people before the injury and you know part of that was his health and then he got hurt um so I'm I think he has a lot of potential but I think the people who are like all right you know this guy's gonna have an all-star season you know gonna be a perennial all-star in the west I'm not saying that can't happen but I also think it's not assured at this point I think without question he has a lot to prove the the most to prove on on this team you know Luca's floor and ceiling I think are relatively known at this point and I think there's a it's it's a much wider gap and a much much many more questions for what Chris Stapps can be all right, let's uh, talk about some of the rest uh, of their new additions. And I suppose we can throw in the guys who re-signed Powell uh, on an extension. I, uh, he had the player option, but uh, actually that's where I, I'd like to start. I mean, he had an $11 million player option. It seems like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, he was kind of induced to opt in. Mark Cuban was talking about how they had a deal likely on an extension before summertime even rolled around. And then, in fact, they signed a three-year extension with him at about the same uh, amount of money i've thought that paul isn't worth that uh you know i don't think he moves his feet that well defensively you did mention the strides that he made at the end uh, of last year so are you do you agree with me that that's like a little bit of a puzzling move for a guy who hasn't necessarily been a starter or do you see it more from the Mavs perspective of hey we got to lock this guy up uh you know induce him to opt in and give give him the extension or we might lose him and and it's fine paying him this amount of money yeah I think a few things I think that in a vacuum the production that he that he will provide over the course of this contract will probably be a, a little bit less than the value that you're actually paying him so in that sense I agree I also think that the reason the Mavericks saw him as such an important piece uh is purely culture and that he is someone who is weirdly enough the longest tenured Maverick at this point he is someone who took after Dirk Nowitzki's work ethic where where they 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 he is the guy who they laud as this is how you should work this is how hard you should work this is the guy who's in the gym you know three times a day you know you can just look at the way his body transformed over the past few seasons i think and really get a sense of you know how much this guy you know he really does put in hard work um and so in terms of setting a culture i I think they really really value him uh last of all i I think that he makes a lot of sense with porzingis now like you just mentioned porzingis is not the best rim finisher some of that you know obviously he's he's never been a great pick and roll guy uh you can certainly look at the guards who have been running pick and rolls with him in new york and uh and and point to that as as the reason but i also think that porzingis you know is is not someone who's ever going to be in the 80th 90th percentile of a rollman he is definitely a pick and pop player he's going to play in the dallas offense more of a four than than a five position uh and for that reason uh i do expect Powell to start next to porzingis um where he can play the five I think I think early on you're going to see a lot of uh, Luca Powell uh, pick and rolls uh, when that starting unit is on the floor, and uh, Porzingis will be more of a off ball 
shooting shooter who's moving around, you know, spotting up, uh, doing his his various things that you can do with a with a seven three player um, who who you know is able to you know just come around a screen and, and swing around a scre- screen and take a shot. Like that's a that's such an unusual s- skill set, and I think it complements better when he's on one side of the court and you can have a you know what Pal is you know truly an elite rim runner. Uh, you know I think ninety third percentile two years ago and 89th last year or something around there uh he, he's going to be that good and so running pick and rolls with Luca and Powell I think is going to be an important part of this offense uh and I think it complements what what Porzingis will do very well so uh, no I, I don't think the money that they're giving out to Powell will will quite uh make up for you know just just like I said uh, for, if another team gave Powell that money I think they might be disappointed because of what Powell means to Dallas uh both on and off the court I, I think that's why they really had no hesitation handing it over yeah i i still didn't quite work for me especially because you know i think 2021 they could have had some space now they eat into that by uh, 11 million uh, uh, and they don't necessarily i think let me double check this but have they'd have to kind of struggle to get room for max yeah they're as of right now unless assuming they make no further commitments for the summer of 2021 they have uh 35 million in cap room uh, based on, on the current estimate so it might be nicer to have had 45 million in cap room um and also i i think you know he's 20 he just turned 28 and, and he's very reliant on athleticism as a finisher um you know i think if he i really like his offense i totally agree he's a really good offensive center but i, I kind of think he's a, a little bit of a one-way guy i don't like he's one of these guys who kind of looks like he could switch and looks like he can really move his feet but you know it hasn't necessarily had the impact defensively that his athleticism might suggest am i being too hard on him or, or do you agree with that yeah, it's, it's weird because I agree. He looks like a player who should be able to move his feet well. I think in, in certain situations he is. I, I think that he is definitely a below average player. Um, I think you're a little bit uh, harsher on defense, on defense, on defense, on defense mean, yeah. yes, yes. I think you're a little bit harsher on him, uh, than, than actuality. He is someone who, he doesn't really block shots, but he does generate a lot of steals. He is a, you know, impactful, uh, deflections getter. Uh, honestly, the best usage of him that I've seen is, is he's really good blitzing a pick and roll. Um, you know, he just, he's long, mobile, you know, moves, uh, you know, just, just frenetically, I guess, uh, when he's on the court on, yeah. on defense, probably, you know, that, that, is to his uh detriment when he's just trying to guard a simple pick and roll but you know when you give him a specific task you know go stop this guy from releasing a uh you know a a a pass over the top or go trap him in the corner he he does have some sex success there uh so so all things considered you know um i i think that he can work all right um basically when when he's playing with Porzingis it's going to be a, a an inverse inverted uh front court where i i think that he's going to play five offensively and four defensively and Chris Stapps will be the opposite um so in that sense the fact that he is able to complement Porzingis in that way i think is helpful for this team um you do wish he was a better defender um guarding fours or fives uh it, it is a little unfortunate that that you know his athleticism hasn't translated to a uh to a more uh consistent defender on that end yeah you know when i when they did the trade it kind of seemed to me you know in talking to some people in the organization that the plan was going to be to play Kristaps at the five it doesn't seem like necessarily I, I mean you mentioned he plays the four on offense that's fine um defensively you know he spent some time guarding drummond you know he's not the greatest defensive rebounder at least as far as uh his own in defensive rebounding is uh and offensive rebounding he started off like a, a banshee in new york but kind of 
fell off there so he's not an unbelievable rebounder um so maybe there's a feeling that hey they need another big next to him because it seems like pretty much all of these lineups are going to be with a big next to him you know and, and that the plan is to play either Kleba who we can talk about a little bit more in a second or Powell next to him at, at most of the time do you think that that's pretty much going to be the plan right now yeah, that's, that's what I would expect to see. You know, obviously there will be instances where, where Porzingis is the lone center. Um, yeah. but, but I think they, they, they also, they also don't really have any small ball four options is kind of the problem. Too. No, no, they don't. They have two very flexible, you know, uh, I think Powell and especially Kleba are both very flexible in what, you know, who they can guard and, you know, in, in the sense that they can, they can play next to them and they kind of cover up each other's weaknesses. Uh, you know, uh, sorry, Powell and Kleba playing next to Porzingis. You know, they, yeah. they allow Porzingis to stay near the rim and both of them can nominally, uh, step out and cover fours. Kleba, obviously, more than that than pal uh but yeah i think that's the plan i think that's what we're we're gonna expect to see and honestly when porzingis you know i, I think that the the backup power forward is going to be someone like dorian finney smith so when it's porzingis alone it, it's going to be definitely a small ball lineup that has you know basically a three shifting up to four yeah. um in, in those situations and can luca play some small ball four i mean i guess you know whether you want to say him or, or finney smith is but you know luca at least kind of has like the heft maybe to, to bang with some fours a little bit do you think we could see that alignment and, and you know carlisle likes his two point guards together maybe that uh, unlocks that a little more yeah i think i think between the three wings that they have um uh, luca dorian finney smith and justin jackson um if you were to play a lineup with those three guys as the two three and four you could you could swap around and against most most teams you can probably find uh you know maybe against the heaviest guy you put luca the quickest guy you put finney smith uh um, yeah justin jackson is a capable defender so i I do think that they're they will have some wing experimentation where they play a lot of uh you know you could even throw Daylon right there at, at at point guard he's a six five guy with with you know good on ball defensive skills so they they definitely have versatile defensive lineups across the board I think I think for for the most part yeah and just part of my concern is you know if you're going with Finney Smith or Justin Jackson at the four next to Porzingis maybe your rebounding just isn't good enough in that situation you know that's that's part of why you know it, Porzingis I worry about his ability to hold up as the lone big on the defensive glass but maybe you can just be good enough defensively that you lose something there and it, and it doesn't really matter that much I'm, I'm that also alignment. I'm also someone who thinks that Porzingis will be a bit better uh rebounding the ball this season than than uh, yeah. maybe you think both he did bulk up significantly um I also think that that Canner was someone who just took constant rebounds away from him in new york and that you know porzingis was always a little bit better than the numbers made him suggest just because of you know the situation he was playing in yeah and you know if he's a, a good box out guy kind of that's that's all you need and you got luca right is a good rebounder those guys that can kind of swoop in um any other like big playing time lineup issues that, that stick out to you with this group decisions that carlisle's gonna have to make in this rotation yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing is that, like, they're gonna start very tall. They're, they're gonna start Daylon Wright. They're probably gonna start Justin Jackson and Luka Doncic and, and, uh, of course, Chris Tapps and probably Powell. If that's your starting five, that's, that's six five, six eight, six seven, you know, I think six eleven and, and seven three. So the biggest question to me is how much, uh, you know, we know that Carlisle loves three guards, uh, three guard lineups and he has Jalen Brunson and Seth Curry and JJ Barea. And I think the answer is that 
more often than not, you just go big. I think that for the first time in, in Rick's career, he, he may need to, you know, really invest in these big lineups because I think that is a strength of this team that they have the flexibility, uh, obviously with, with Luca as a six, eight point guard to, to play big all the time. And I think that, uh, you know, if, if he's constantly running out Seth Curry, Jalen Brunson and, you know, JJ Barea for some reason, um, you know, I think that that does kind of go against the strength of this, this teams. And, and, and truthfully, I don't think he will. I think that, um, Jalen Brunson at this point is, is more or less going to supplant uh JJ Barea in that role and, and why we're gonna see Barea a little bit and he's important to have on the roster for veteran leadership yeah. and all those things that that I do think this is probably but Barea coming off the Achilles yeah, tear for yeah. those who don't remember. Yeah so I think I think this might be the the end of JJ Barea as a rotation guard. Yeah and Brunson looks pretty good. It, let's do a, a quick little game here. Just give me I'm gonna name a few players. Give me like 30 seconds on what their games are like how they're gonna fit into the rotation. Let's start with the aforementioned Brunson. Yeah, he's a you I don't think you can say Brunson's name without saying shifty. He's he's just one of those shifty <laughs> guys who who has like these half pirouettes and and spins and like he euro steps at the last second in the lane when you think he's about to shoot a layup. Uh it's just a very crafty game all around. Uh that that works really well. He he knows he knows how to get shots for himself and for teammates and I think that more or less he will have the Berea role this season that that we've seen in years past on this Mavs offense. Yeah, Berea very or, or I'm sorry, uh Brunson very strong um had average efficiency last year which was a surprise to me I thought he could really struggle to shoot the ball especially after summer league when it was just a disaster for him uh, but he's clearly been the best of those three point guards uh Devontae Graham and Javon Carter being the other two that were drafted all in a row there right at the start of the second round in 2018 so yeah I mean he, he's and he's a a dogged defender he's strong enough to switch a little bit so yeah i think he's at minimum can mature into a solid backup point guard this season uh justin jackson who sounds like you think he's gonna start actually but uh is he a starting level of player he's he's a he's the type of role player that that you really like uh he he improved his shooting down the stretch of last season uh it's not a long enough sample size that that i necessarily trust it it is something that i am watching closely as 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 we get into the season but um he he generally does what coaches want of him he's in the right place he is not a splash defender in the sense that he's racking up a lot of steals and blocks in fact he gets a suspiciously low number on both of those but uh overall like i still think he's a at least an average defender uh you know just doesn't get beat off the dribble just all the time you know just he's solid at sticking in front of his man and helping off when he needs to help uh and then like i was saying offensively if he can as long as he can hit threes he has a nifty floater game off the dribble uh that that is actually a a pretty decent component and he makes the 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 simple you know first read pass and and when you combine all those things you have a player who is can play off that starting five in theory as as well as you would hope and so when the mavericks did have everybody back uh dwight powell was injured with a uh with a uh minor growing uh issue i believe uh but otherwise they they started you know the four players uh that that we expected and and justin was one of those four and so he is the presumed starter i think headed into the season yeah and jackson he i mean almost nobody does this he does have a great floater but he was uh 54 from floater range that's going to come down a little bit but he did eliminate some of the longer twos uh, that i thought he took too many of in sacramento um 
yeah i mean if he could just magically add 30 pounds i really would like him much more uh, as a player you know and that's uh, re- really a, one of the bigger weaknesses uh, on this dallas team is just you know who is going to be the wing stopper they don't necessarily have that guy though if you're going to play two bigs you know like kleba and porzingis together maybe that doesn't matter you have enough defense at the rim and even you know kleba has shown some facility for guarding some of the bigger wings uh, capably when those guys shift to the four so maybe that's uh, the what they can do there to make up for that weakness um so right is going to start at point guard they brought him in uh in what ultimately was the sign and trade so they could stay over the cap in a, in a nifty bit of management how do you like his fit with this group I'm I'm still trying to figure out exactly where he does fit in because it is awkward to start at point guard when Luca is nominally your point guard clearly yeah. and, and, he, and, and he's not he a did not get the ball much in that preseason game like he was definitely kind of chilling off the ball while Luca did stuff and that's with his limited shooting that's not kind of really what you want him to do I don't think in the half court yeah it's funny even in the first game the first preseason game the team played uh, which did not involve Luca Luca and Chris Stepps both sat out of it um i want to say he ended up with you know maybe six shots seven shots in um in 20 minutes so again a a you know role that was bigger by by necessity but you know hardly an offensive focal point by any means um so i i am curious to see how he evolves clearly defensively um six five good on bond on ball player um a little bit worse off of it but you know still clearly an above average defensive player he's gonna fit in fine there he's gonna be important uh to cover up for some of the smaller guards that they have and Jalen Brunson and Seth Curry you know when those you know whenever those are paired together uh but offensively I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where exactly he's going to fit in I, I do think that you know maybe the best thing he can do for this team is really be a transition uh force uh Luca is not a quick player uh he's not a player to get out in transition even though he is rebounding the ball a lot of the times uh he he doesn't you know he isn't necessarily just always always pushing the ball forwards whereas if Daylon yeah. Wright which was, was a disappointment to me that I, that I thought that he was awesome in Europe as a transition player maybe it's just he's relatively slower compared to the nba maybe it's the coaching which is something right. we can talk about there too but uh you know i i thought he could have been better in transition last year yeah they also had dirk on the lineup last year and any any lineup uh, of, dirk, yeah. of course was was going to be going to be moving slowly but yeah i i do think that's probably the 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 number one way I see him being an effective, you know, offensive player for the Mavericks right now is that he really, you know, uses his above average rebounding to, uh, to pick up the ball and, and, and you really push out for, for good points. I can't remember what podcast I heard it. It might have been one of your podcasts where, uh, you know, they were a very good half court team last season the Mavericks were on offense but they just never ran and so overall they were let down by the fact that they didn't get easy buckets they didn't get easy layups and so I think that's that's one of the uh one of the biggest things that they can improve on next season it's just you know just a few more transition buckets a few more times where Dayon Wright takes it all the way down the court and, and finishes with a layup and you know that's an easy two points that that they can that they can bank on yeah I've seen a couple of different metrics on it. I was quoting uh your colleague Seth Partnow's article that talked about them as I think a, a top 10 group uh in in the half court uh cleaning the glass which is uh ben falk site has them a little bit lower uh about 15th uh in terms of points per play in the half court uh 95 uh points per play in the half court or, or uh 95 offensive rating points per play in the, in the half court uh is probably the best way to say that um but you know that's average but they're a below average offense because they never ran and they sucked when they did they're 29th basically in both of those categories per cleaning the glass and 
that's been a big issue with all of these Rick Carlisle teams. Now, you did mention that they were playing Dirk some. He has not been a transition player since early in his career when he actually was a very underrated transition player when he first came to the Mavs. Uh, but is that going to change this year? Have they talked about that changing? Because there was talk, as I recall, last year that they were going to run more, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, I, I remember way more talk last season than this season, which may not mean anything because, of course, they talked about it last season and it never really materialized. It it made sense that they would talk about it last year when Dennis Smith and, and Luca were both, you know, nominally the go, going to be the lead ball handlers. Um, it just turned out they didn't really have that team um, that, that, that could really get out and run. Uh, this team, of course, like we said, is more, is, you know, clearly is set up to do that better. Well, but Well, you, you said they they didn't have that team. I mean, do you think this is a coaching issue or a personnel issue? Or do you have a sense on that? I, I don't think that, that Wes Matthews or Harrison Barnes were necessarily quick players either last season. No. So no. so I do think that, you know, just if you look at the, the five that they plan to run out, I do think that they're definitely personnel-wise much better set up to run. So I, I would be really disappointed if those numbers didn't tick up. I think it's... Yeah, no, I I feel the same way. And basically, they have to. Like, you, you cannot be both that infrequent of a transition team in this in this nba and also that poor of a transition team at points per possession in this nba um and it's just a, a major issue because you know these guys i think can have a good defense but i don't know if they profile to have uh, the defense on the perimeter you know unless porzingis is just an absolute monster where you're necessarily going to have a top 10 group on defense and so you can't really get into the top 10 in offense in today's nba without running and being effective at because it's just teams are, are running more than ever and obviously you know you're probably about 20 points worth of offensive rating better in transition than you are in the half court and so you could be have a lot of talent in the half court but if other teams are out running you then you're not going to be that level of offense this team i mean not to mention this year but just overall is not going to get to where they need to be unless they can at least become you know an average transition team i completely agree um crunch time lineup for these guys who will it be who should it be uh, I don't get a good sense of it right now. I, I wrote an article on The Athletic um, a couple months ago where I advocated for a lineup that really accentuates the Luka Kristaps pick and roll. Um, yeah. And yeah, that that's the yeah. number one thing I think that this group can hang their hat on. Pick and roll with those guys. And so I, yeah, I totally agree with you. Accentuate that. Put shooting around that. Give Luca the room to get in the lane and make decisions. Um, so, so the lineup yeah. that's gonna the lineup that's gonna do that is um, probably Daylon Wright. Um, I'm I'm open to another player getting put in there instead of him, but I like you know the defensive stuff he does and and that he can be a secondary ball handler. Uh, he's in the starting lineup, of course. Um, Seth Curry at the two, Luca, uh, Maxi Kleba, and then Porzingis. So that's two changes. You're you're swapping Dwight Powell out and you're swapping uh, Justin Jackson out uh, for two players who are both better shooters. Uh, Maxi Kleba finished the year, I think, since uh, January 1st of last season. He shot 40%. He's not obviously a, you know, a, a gravity. Uh, he doesn't have the, the most gravity as a shooter, but he is somebody who capably put in three point shots last season. Seth Curry, of course, is a, is a, you know, defense bending shooter. And I do think that whenever you're trying to run a, a Porzingis and Luca pick and roll, you need him on the court. So, uh, one thing that Dirk Nowitzki and, you know, you, 
back, but Dallas obviously, you know, they loved the two man game with Jason Terry and Dirk Nowitzki, you know, back, back when they won the championship in those years. And one thing they would do is they really wouldn't run that pick and roll, uh, early on, especially because Jason Terry came off the bench. And that pick and roll is something they came to in the last five minutes of a game where they would run it over and over and over as a, uh, you know, kind of as a, as a finishing blow. And I, I do think that this team could start games with, uh, with a lot more Dwight Powell pick and rolls and, and Porzingis running off the ball. He is, uh, he's always been a player who's been good off screens. Uh, I've described him in some ways almost like a, uh, a 7-3 Clay Thompson, um, in, in some ways where, where he really is like someone who can, uh, you know, doesn't need the ball in his hands, you know, that often because so many of his stuff will be, you know, catch and shoot, uh, shots off movement. And, uh, you can use them in that way early on. Dallas kind of used Dirk like that early on back in the, uh, yeah. the, uh, the, the mid, the mid aughts and, uh, or late aughts and, and early 2010s. Um, and then, uh, late in the game, you kind of hammer a team with, with that, uh, that pick and roll and that, that way you optimize the lineup around him so that Luca and Amparzinka can have the most space possible. I don't know if they're going to go that way. Um, they might just finish with their starting unit like they did. Um, but, but I think that's probably where the team could be most effective. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. Most people who are regular listeners to this show might even have a criticism of like, oh, all you talk about is spacing. Like your number one prescription is get more spacing. You can't, uh, this team doesn't have enough spacing, blah, blah. And generally I agree with that. I think that it's still, even now it is underrated the value of that. But I'm not sure. I have a legitimate question in my mind of whether five out works best for Luka Doncic because Luka is not an explosive finishing guard getting to the rim. Certainly he can get there. He can get to the foul line. He's got that floater game, but he's not going to just come in and tomahawk it on you. And he's such a good passer for lobs, especially as Mike Schmitz would say, even when he's not breaking the paint, he can dime up the roll man right at the rim. We saw that last year with DeAndre Jordan. Dwight Powell is this really good roll man. As well, Klebas is okay in that regard, but maybe not, you know, a top tier guy. Uh, but maybe with Luca, it works better to have that role man on the floor because he's not athletically going to push it down your throat coming downhill off that pick and roll. He likes to kind of work in the lane, get the guy on his back, have the option to throw the lob to uh, the big uh, or finish, uh, using that gravity, holding the guy to the rim. Um, and also, I mean, there is kind of a model for doing it that way. And Eric Spolstra probably still has nightmares from game two of the 2011 finals where they couldn't stop that double drag pick and roll with Dirk Nowitzki and Tyson Chandler and Jason Terry. Like that is a really, really hard set to stop. And with Powell as, as a roll guy, Porzingis and Luca, I think they had just about the best possible personnel to run those sorts of sets. So I generally am very much in favor of having more spacing. I don't know. I think there's a very good argument that it's better to have that roll ban gravity on the floor with the combination of Porzingis and Luca. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. You know, I want to see what five out looks like. Uh, you know, clearly the yeah, team has. They're going to the, experiment. I would assume. Yeah, this and they is, have they got a, a lot to do here. They're going to until. You know, Dwight Powell finished the season hitting threes at a high clip as well. So uh, they go in, like, I have serious doubts whether the, that continues, but they go into the season thinking both Maxi and Dwight are capable of, of being five out players. So uh, I, I've been, I've been hearing that shit about Dwight Powell for like five years. I'm not buying it until I see it. It's always, it's always the two, like the last two months of the season yeah. where it's, it's, it goes he, up he to takes like one a game. He's 30% yeah. last year. Like, it, like it was, if it was, it's 28. If it was going to happen, it would have happened. I think it's. <laughs> 
the <laughs> most likely. My, it's uh, you know, I'm not saying nah, I'm with it you, can man. never change, but it's it's tough to buy. It no, point. no, I'm with you, but but certainly in theory they have the line. You know, they have the capacity yeah. to to go five out at at you know at all times. Certainly when Maxi is on the floor, that's how they're going to treat lineups. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to see exactly how much they use that versus how much they use a you know traditional you know five man screening and and just diving into the paint uh, uh based uh, you know off of Luca action and stuff like that. Do you think that Brunson might close some games over right? I think it's possible. He's a better off-ball shooter. Yeah. Um he he really picked yeah, up his his three-point shooting as as the season went along. Jalen Brunson did uh finished I think, you know, right around 40% over, you know, probably the last 3 months of the season and if that continues, you know, that's that's going to be really valuable. Yeah, you know, maybe the decision is going to be you're going to have one of Brunson or Curry in there to close games regardless and you're deciding between Dalon Wright and Dwight Powell or or Dalon Wright and Kleba to close games I mean I think Kleba is part of their best defensive units but I could actually see it where because if you're going to have as we talked about the right shooting limitations if you're going to have Wright and Powell out there together the whole point of Powell is to dive to the rim but now you can help off a Wright's guy to take that away I think those guys are kind of the more mutually exclusive for uh, lack of a better term guys in that closing group potentially now that I start thinking about it yeah I really think it's going to be flexible and and I think Carlisle says this every year we're going to have a flexible starting five we're going to have a flexible closing lineup but outside of Luca and and Kristaps I really think it could be Powell Kleba Daylon Brunson Curry you know there's mixes of all I think I just listed uh you know seven players total eight players total uh there's mixes of those five that I think you know depending on the matchup will work best um and it's not going to be the same mix every time have we even mentioned the name Tim Hardaway Jr. yet (laughs) we have not (laughs) Uh, or or Courtney Lee for that matter it seems like Lee I mean quickly to him he he seems like he's just totally out of the plans out of the rotation he's kind of done physically that's the impression that I get yeah 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 okay that was easy enough (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Hard- Hardaway is going to factor in. It, it, it's yeah. looking more likely that he's not going to start. Um, you know, I was I was afraid just because of the money on his contract that it would be hard to not put him into the starting five. Um, it, it you know if if the preseason lineups are indicative of what Carlisle is actually going to go with in the regular season, then he's going to be coming off the bench and um, probably losing minutes yeah. from the way he's played so far. He's he's had two games where he's just you know you know not a lot of passing vision, a lot of quick shots. Um, he's different from the way Wesley Matthews and Harrison Barnes kind of hijacked the offense last season where both of them would just, especially Harrison Barnes would just hold the ball and it would just stick with him for, you know, eight seconds out of the shot clock. Uh, Hardaway just shoots immediately. Like you give him the ball. He's like, all right, I'm going to go get a shot and I'm not going to take eight seconds to do it. I'm going to take one second, but you know, that's, that's not much better when, when you're a, you know, below 40% shooter from the field, you know, 31% from, from three pointers like you, like he was last season. So I've, I have some yeah. very mild optimism because he did have some injury issues that he has he had apparently been dealing with for about 18 months uh he talked about being more efficient on media day unprompted so clearly that's something the coaches were talking to him about but through two preseason games it doesn't look like his style of play has changed much um and so to be frank i'm not sure how big of a role he should have moving forward i think it should be a limited limited scorer role off the bench because one one weakness of this team is that they just don't have a third scorer and so if you can get some cheap points out of him even if it's below average efficiency then you know that i'm not there there may be a there may be a case that there's not really a more efficient way that you can find those points than 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 from anybody but tim hardaway yeah that makes sense and obviously he's pretty atrocious defensively and you know they they would love it if he could guard threes that's not really in his makeup but you know maybe there'll be 
second units where it's fine. He can just bomb away. He might get hot. He might have a, a passable matchup defensively. But yeah, he seems like kind of more of a matchup play than some that they're really going to rely on, you know, for, for big minutes. So we've kind of got a few listeners in Texas here for this Mavs preview pod. And if you're from Texas, you know that when it comes to meat, quality matters. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves high-quality, humanely sourced meat. Every month, they ship you a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home. Each box has 9 to 11 pounds of meat that is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Your options include 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaska salmon, and sugar-slash-nitrate-free bacon. I really enjoyed that bacon. I've been doing a low-carb diet, so... I was really glad to have my ButcherBox subscription this last month or so. It's all packed fresh, shipped frozen, and vacuum sealed, so it stays that way. I'm really impressed with their packaging. No styrofoam. Still keeps it cool, easy to recycle. And all it's going to cost you is about $6 per meal. What's more, they're now offering new members ground beef for life. Two pounds of ground beef in every box for the life of your subscription, plus $20 off your first box. You go to butcherbox.com slash capspace, or you can enter the promo code capspace at checkout. Butcherbox.com slash capspace, or enter that familiar capspace code. Easy to remember because we talk about it all the time here on the program. That's butcherbox.com slash capspace, or use that capspace code. Either way, you let them know that you came from us. All right, do uh, some predictions here? Yeah, we can do some predictions. All right, uh, I will go first. Their their over under was forty one and a half. I went over the. Or I'm sorry, I went, I went under that. Um, a big part of my reasoning, and, and I'll come to a specific number in a second. Uh, I will say before we go any further, I find this along with New Orleans one of the two hardest teams to forecast because number one, I kind of see them being around average in offense and defense, and so now around average could be 20th and could be 11th very easily you know it's really it's difficult to say with that gradation there's nothing that sticks out as like okay this team's gonna be an awesome offensive team i mean they have some talent but you know luca is would have to take a big step forward porzingis would have to get more efficient they'd have to get much better at running i think to really be like a a above average offense and all those things could happen but i could also see them kind of having some of these same structural issues that have plagued them in the past and then defensively same thing you know where is porzingis going to be i mean they, they're they don't have above average talent defensively other than him but if he can be a game-changing defender uh then you know maybe they do have the chance to be above average uh, on offense and you know with carlisle they're never going to be terrible they usually punch a little bit above their weight so you know you could see this team maybe being the number 10 offense and the number 10 defense or you could see them being the number 20 offense and the number 20 defense very easily in either direction so i really struggled ultimately i went under uh the porzingis load management i think you reported it, it could be somewhere on the order of 15 to 20 games um probably closer to probably closer to 15 um yeah i i I should i should clarify but but yes it will be double digits i'd be shocked if he didn't sit out at least 10 games uh load management for load management reasons he's he's already skipping back-to-backs in the preseason (laughs) how can you rely on all right um yeah so uh, and luca i mean i don't think he's he doesn't really have much of an injury history i think there's no reason to believe he's not going to play a full season they have i mean one thing you can talk about is that other than it's small forward i think they've got pretty good depth on this team as well to withstand injuries curry brunson right i mean those are all acceptable point guards but you also i mean the other thing you can look at here is outside of luca and porzingis i don't know that there's necessarily anyone in their role right now who projects to be a above average for their role would you agree with that 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think some bench players, sure, Jalen Brunson, Seth Curry, but but of that starting five, I agree, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Wright is probably, you know, I, I thought that was a good contract for him. I mean, it's well below starter money, but, you know, he, he's there's a reason that he hasn't started yet in the league. You know, he's got the shooting limitations. Um, You know, a small forward, Justin Jackson, is is really limited defensively and, you know, shot it well for two months last year, but you, you really wonder about that as well. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and, and Powell, I would say, is a below average starting center when you throw in the defense, which is one of the biggest things uh, for him. So, I mean, if you're going to say Kleba is your first big off the bench, he's probably above average. Curry as like kind of your shooter guy off the bench, Brunson, I think those are like solid backups for their role. And so you really, you're kind of relying on the fit to kind of outstrip the quality of players that these guys are, you know, and, and I think powell as i mentioned defensively right like those guys to me aren't like unbelievable fits uh so yeah i mean it's uh i think especially if you're gonna say porzingis is gonna miss time you know i see this as being like just a little bit uh, below average of a group overall maybe you could say carlisle's coaching gets them above there i'm not like super confident but i think i'm gonna go with 39 wins for this group uh, overall with all, all that said I think I fall at, I've gone back and forth. Uh, obviously, I'm going to be more optimistic than you. Just, you know, I think that's natural. I'm around the team. No one has ever been more optimistic <laughs> than me. I, I'm i going to land. Actually, you I know think, what I think I'm going to do real, this year? I'm going to just like do a competition between my predictions and the guests. I write all these down in a spreadsheet and see whether my delta or the guests, the, the aggregate of the guest delta was, <laughs> was better. I think that'll actually be pretty fun to track that throughout the year. If if we win, you buy a steak dinner for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, li- little do you know, I can actually eat as much as uh, as thirty people can. So, so if if you guys have to uh, buy a dinner for me, it'd be actually be thirty times the amount that a normal person would eat. So, it, you guys could still lose in that exchange. That's fine. I, I like those steaks. <laughs> um okay so sorry i i've interrupted you a number of times on your prediction here with uh with my ideas so please go ahead i think i'm gonna say 42 42 wins so i i i think this is a 500 team and i lean towards being slightly above 500 obviously the you know outside of all the you know accurate concerns that i think you landed on uh just talking about them just a second ago it's the conference the conference is just brutal it's it's you know truly a i think 14 teams that have are are you know have at least some playoff chances headed into the season um you know in in 11 that are are you know really really vying for spots that that just adds one more element of of difficulty of of trying to predict this team that it's going to be a playoff team is going to improve by 10 wins uh some stuff like that so yeah and i mean it could, it could be too danny has made this observation that especially in a western conference where you expect it to be 45 wins or more for the eighth seed that teams kind of don't have an incentive to end up in the you know 40 wins type of range it's kind of either you're 35 or you're 45 um especially with some of the the new lottery odds where the, the sweet spot is for moving up into a place where you could potentially pop up into the top four is uh you know just a little bit above kind of that 11 to 14 range if you can get kind of to 10 then you, you're giving yourself a decent chance so that, that maybe that's a reason why we could both be wrong here but um you know i think if you just look at the overall quality of this group it, it seems like we're kind of in agreement um if they do really exceed expectations and make the playoffs how does that happen 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's, you know, I, th- I think the starting five works, you know, better than expected. I think Daylon has to really emerge as a, as a, uh, offensive factor in, in some manner or another. Uh, I think that he's, he's one of the players with some mobility or movement or, or maybe Jalen Brunson supplants him and is just incredible in his second season. Um, you know, maybe it's something like that. Um, this team doesn't really have a third scorer. You know, it's, it's, you can't look at somebody who's who's going to create you know shots outside of of Kristaps and uh and and uh, Luca. Uh, so I think somebody would have to emerge in that manner, um, who can cons- consistently do that. You know, uh, in a in a tertiary manner to to the the, the two stars. Kristaps, um, of course, would have to be the the defensive game changer he was in New York that last season. Um, you know, where he he led the league in block rate, block percentage, and um, you know, I think uh, I don't know how much you buy into the the five thirty eight stats, but that they they had him um, whatever that. New one they i think the draymond one was the new one they released uh he was he was listed as you know the most underrated defender i do think that porzingis has uh brooke lopez anchoring milwaukee's you know top five defense potential in him um if if he does get back to full he is impossible when he's in position like he might be the hardest guy to score on at the room when he's actually there right 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 so so i i think that i think that top 10 defensive potential is there um, now low in top 10 you know like like you said i just don't think there's enough around him to to really vault them up any higher than like eighth ninth but but they could be that and if they get a third score out of it i could see them winning up to 47 games yeah in a best case scenario that seems i i think it's possible they could get to 50 actually i mean i think like just because you have two guys you know as much as i in particular porzingis might have been a little bit lower on him than than maybe what some are expecting from him this year especially just, uh, that defense that we saw in the preseason again one game don't want to crazy overreact to it but that's you know that's what we've got so far um but yeah i mean like you could there's a potential you could have two top 10 players on this team this year right yeah i mean that's that's their vision and you know i think it's more likely that if it does happen it's not until 2021 2022 but maybe those guys just take that much of a step forward i mean it would be pretty close to unprecedented for any second year player at age 20 to be a top 10 player in the nba i mean i think lebron is probably the only player in history who has ever accomplished that at that age to be a 20 year old and a top 10 player in the nba so i think that's asking a lot of luca as well i mean i think this is much like we talked about with trey young that they had a great rookie year i think you have to be happier with incremental progress this year as opposed to oh he averaged 21 a game last year he's going to get to 27 a game this year but it, it could happen i'm not totally ruling it out um so i think they could get to 50 and that you know maybe this defense in particular you know with Wright, who's who's pretty solid kleba if he has a, a big role porzingis maybe despite the lack of wing stoppers they just and carlisle has a little bit of defensive magic that they're just you know maybe they, they do get to really be an excellent group defense I kind of see that as the easier path than the offense necessarily. I don't know. What do you think? Are they more likely to exceed expectations on offense or defense to you? Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely defense. Um I, I just don't think there's enough spacing on the offense. I think, you know, if yeah. if when, when you really look at the shooters, you know, outside of Curry, there is a lot of you know, there's not a lot of uh players on this roster that that defenses really fear. So I think that's gonna be the biggest thing holding them back. It's why they wanted a player like Danny Green. Um it's why I thought that maybe they even should have, you know, offered the contract that Sacramento did to Trevor Ariza, you know, as a as a stopgap three, you know, he, he would have essentially filled that role as well. And, you know, given them a, a more reliable quantity, you know, shot taker and shot maker from deep. So I think that that will hold them back, even if if Kristaps and, and Luca are as good as, you know, the Mavericks hope they are. I, I do think that the lack of shooting on this team will will ultimately keep them out of the top 10 for sure. Yeah, 
offensively there is a possibility too that porzingis i mean if he can repeat the shooting that he had from three with new york to 40 percent, and his ability to get these shots off and you mentioned you know i think they really want him to bomb it from three more necessarily than from two um by the way uh i'd be interested to see when his first drive to the right off of a closeout is this season he goes left every single time uh we saw that in the first preseason game but that's an aside but maybe porzingis i mean and Mavs fans are very familiar with this with Dirk where it's like hey this guy's just such a good shooter at such a a position that's so difficult to guard that maybe this guy just makes you a top 10 offense on his own even if he's not just this unbelievable iso score but just the spacing uh, that he provides and just getting bigs out of the lane is just he has so much gravity you have to run these like uh push pick and roll coverages where you know you're kind of basically giving the ball handler a free ride in the lane because the big has to stick to um has to stick to the big you know maybe he can become that level of guy we haven't seen that quite yet he played in some uh shall we say antiquated offenses in new york in his time there so we didn't see him fully unlocked so that's uh i I mean that's why i'm finding these guys so hard to peg i mean i think their median outcome is you know pretty middling but there are many ways i can talk myself into them being really good yeah and i think i think that's a good point that that you know i i didn't mention porzingis's spacing and one of the reasons is so much of the spacing i thought about you know with this team is it's hinged around can you have luca in in Porzingis run a pick and roll and and have an adequately spaced yeah. modern offense around them and it's why you know the more I think about this offense the more I think about this team I think that you're going to see a lot of Porzingis off the ball it, it both suits his strength and it's necessary you know for Luca to be able to to succeed you know on the on the other wing on you know on the on the primary side of the court obviously those two will play together plenty and they'll be fine um but but I do think that that Porzingis is equally important off the ball for what he can bring as a as a shooter and a and a spacer um, in a, in a, just a guy who moves and, and brings the defense with him, um, as, as he will be, uh, you know, directly setting picks with, with Luca. Worst case scenario. Uh, I feel like we, we more or less talked about this. I think, you know, 35, 36 wins. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 36 wins is the, is the worst case scenario outside of injury, you know, injury Ar- Armageddon, you know, outside of something like that. I, I don't think that this, like they won 34 games last year, right? Like, and, and they have all this, you know, they clearly have a better roster. It would, it would be so painful for them to win, you know, even, even just two more games than they did last year. Even that would be painful. And, and that's where I'm going to kind of put the, put the bottom line at or, or the worst case. Uh, yeah it's this is an interesting team in so many ways i mean this is kind of more relevant to the best case but kleba is something i've always said is underrated right i mean i think there are a lot of casual nba fans are like how the hell is this guy getting a, almost 10 million a year you know Wright is another guy who you know a lot of people I, i've been lower on him than some but a lot of people say hey this guy is underrated seth curry another guy who really you know they paid him the full mid-level exception he's been pretty good at in limited minutes and now he's getting some might say properly paid me even a, a little bit overpaid they got a lot of guys during finney smith is in this category too justin jackson a lot of guys who have shown some promise in limited minutes but i mean if you look at guys like who's actually proven on this team there's not a lot of them right so on the one hand you could say hey like these guys are all underrated you believe they're underrated like by this team right like these but you know these are also guys who are unproven yeah we can project out what they might be able to do but you know these guys could fail like maxi kleba might be overwhelmed as a third big you know he hasn't had to play as many minutes before as he's probably gonna have to play this year um and and then the other thing that comes into a worst case scenario though is you know porzingis could get hurt again i mean that's like he's yeah he's worked on his body this this whole time but in addition to the load management i mean he's just 
seven three, and he has a history of very extensive lower body injuries. And so, whether it's you know, sprinting an ankle or it's muscle pulls, like hip issues, more issues with his knees, you know, compens- overcompensation because of the injury. I mean, he's had a long time. They have a good training staff, but you know, I, I think it's more likely than not that he's going to continue to struggle with injuries in his career. And so that's uh that's a reasonable downside risk here too. And I think without him, they're kind of pretty middling the way they were last year. Yeah, I think all bets are off if he misses thirty or more games. Um, yeah, the, the, the roster isn't fundamentally that much different than the one that you know went. Yeah, I forget exactly what their record was after the break, but bad. Suffice to say, it was bad. And you yeah, know, I mean, if they if they had that twenty and twenty start, uh, you know, the, the and they finished thirty three and forty nine. Uh, so they were thirteen and twenty nine after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, something right around there. And in the roster, it has Seth Curry. It, it's it's a bit better, but but not not really so a lot of this hinges yeah. on on what porzingis can do and be and if he's injured then then certainly uh any any predictions i think are, are kind of invalidated um i'll also say that if they're if they are healthy and they're finishing in the mid or high you know at least let's say mid mid 30s i think that we you know not to sound too harsh but we should probably reevaluate rick Carlo as a coach a little bit because this is ideally yeah. this is the the group that should speak to his strengths he is supposed to be someone who can take a weird mix of talented players and bring them together uh you know a bit better than you might expect that is consistently what he's been over the course of his you know career and it's why that we've considered you know it's why we've considered him a uh, a top five coach uh some people even higher than that I, i've said before that he's you know maybe top three and if, if he can't do that with this team then um you know i think this is a team really set up for him to bring it together and, and make it play better than than maybe you would think uh you know whether that's yeah and the running thing in particular i mean that's just like if that's just like some blind spot to him as opposed to now the personnel dictated that we have to play this way you know that's that's difficult to overcome uh, as well and yeah i mean certainly he's uh, he's not like an old man or anything and uh, you know going back to 2015 before the rondo trade i mean they were totally unstoppable 2016 i thought he did a pretty good job they did about as good as you could do i still really like him in a playoff series in particular but yeah no i think you you would have to question i mean he's he, he hasn't had any pressure on him because these haven't been teams that were realistically going to be making it to the playoffs and it, they've kudos to him for going along with the plan even though he's a competitive kind of surly guy he doesn't really appreciate i'm sure some of the losing that they've had to do but he's been on board they're paying him they're, they've made a long-term commitment to him and uh, i appreciate that he's willing to do what's necessary for the organization but yeah now it's time for him to actually make his money again that's a great point yeah um all right where can we keep up with your stuff uh, throughout the season theathletic.com of course i'm i'm sure anybody listening to this is uh well aware of uh of how how they can become more athletic um i feel more athletic every day since i've joined so i would i would def- definitely recommend <laughs> definitely recommend getting a subscription uh beyond that i'm on twitter uh at tim underscore kato that's c-a-t-o um and yeah got a got a lot of stuff uh coming up at the athletic um have a uh have a big piece about luca that i will not tease any further about that but um but yeah it's uh it involved traveling i'll i'll leave it at that so that's that's coming up in, in the uh in the near on, future on court on court traveling or like world traveling i would i would say more the latter the latter so <laughs> all right oh that's a, that sounds pretty fun yeah all right well thanks again for joining us is always fun to do uh every year i appreciate you helping us wrap uh, our heads around uh this really interesting team appreciate it for sure thanks Nate. reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil 